Welcome to episode three of Soft Skills Engineering, a podcast with me, Dave Smith, and I'm Jameson Dance. And we're here to give you some wisdom or at least wisecracks about all the everything else in software development, not technical stuff, the softer side of software development. One could say we put the soft in software development, right? <laughs> one could say, yeah. One could be wrong, but one could say it. One could actually only talk like this from now on, and one will always use one every time one has the opportunity. And then one, one will appear smart to everyone. <laughs> One's wisdom overflows. One, the floating spherical get... <laughs> cube of destiny demands tribute. <laughs> pay tribute to one. By soft skills, we just really meant how to get your coworkers to pay you tribute. <laughs> yep. A uh, listener last week named Matt Ryan has shared a, some feedback with us on one of the ideas we had, and uh, it was about the topic of influencing your team without being the team lead. And he said that in this context, I think the question had to do with an idea, air quotes, that might be to do something differently on the team, which can often be interpreted as, we are currently doing it wrong, and therefore sound like criticism rather than a suggestion for a different way to approach things. Expressing the idea to your lead directly, meaning we talked about doing this privately, right, uh, gives them a chance to have a meaningful discussion without worrying about the team losing confidence in their leadership or dealing with the team dynamic where it appears that open criticism of the leadership itself is okay, which is probably not what the person with the idea intended, but can often happen if brought up in the wrong context. So we appreciate that, Matt. That's good feedback. I think that that's, that's definitely true. You can often come across as criticizing when really you're just proposing a new idea without necessarily criticizing the existing stuff. Yeah, that happens a lot with code too, where you'll pull up in some file and just like, oh my gosh, this is so horrible. Oh, mm-hmm. What kind of monster could have written that? And you can you can improve stuff without like tearing down the person who built it earlier. So Definitely, definitely. It seems like that kind of idea. Thanks, Matt, for your comments. And if you would like to give us a comment, be sure to tweet us at softskillseng, where you can find all of our old episodes, as well as communicate with us, your hosts, your humble hosts. Except for one. One, <laughs> one is not humble. <laughs> the unhumble one. <laughs> all right. So on to episode three. Okay, Jameson, what is our first question for today? Uh, here it is. So this one's pretty short. It's what should I look for in an employer or dev team? All right. This is short, but I think the answer could be really long. Well, I mean, you only have to list a few different brands of free candy. And you're good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Candy bars. Or or like genres of candy. Is that a thing? Cho- you could go candies. with like your, yeah, your or your hard candies. <laughs> you got your Wonka brand. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty much all I look for. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I actually look for employers that do not provide candy because that means that they're not trying to get you fat and, and mm. unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is a really good question. This, like so many other things, comes down to personal values. And I think it's worth um, you sitting down and thinking of what your values are because there's there's kind of a spectrum yeah, uh, and you can make trade-offs along the spectrum. If if you're really interested in money, um, then you'll probably have to trade that off for some things, maybe location or the problem domain or or control over the project or st- or something like that. 
uh, if you're more interested in career growth or working with specific people, I don't know. There's there's just lots of trade-offs. I think I can talk about what I look for personally. Um, the the things that are very important to me in a workplace are, um, I, I would say, kind and and smart people is the number one thing. People that are are smart and can teach me things, but that will uh, be easy to get along with and, and that I can have good relationships with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not everyone values that as equally. Some people value being challenged more and kind of having having more conflict to produce good ideas. And I've found that I just don't work well in that way. You don't like just tons of conflicts and fighting? Uh, well, physical fighting is okay. Like if you just put on the sumo suit and, and just battle <laughs> it out to determine who who gets to pick the front end architecture, that's fine. No, I, I mean, uh, I would say I value more collaborative environments over more sure. aggressive, competitive environments. I think most engineers are in your camp. Really? Because that's, really that's not what comes up in all the hiring posts I see. It's all about like, are you the ninja rock star champion, well, godlike yeah, commander of the universe who can slay, <laughs> crush everything? Like, Who, who wrote those though? Uh some somebody probably that, someone in the marketing department. Well, somebody yeah. that works at that company, right? And that influences the culture. Uh well, they may influence Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're right. I I do I hate those write-ups. Yeah. In my experience, like I'll see one of those billboards like, "Are you an amazing ninja?" you know, and then you go into the place and it's like these three unassuming software developers who are just like mild-mannered and you know, I'm like, "Wait, these aren't ninjas." <laughs> these well, yeah. Aren't rock stars. That's uh, uh, once they get on stage, they are. <laughs> this is, these are their alter egos, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yeah. So, so kind of the collaborative and and um, and I guess environment focused on on learning and growth. That's mm-hmm. probably my number one thing that I look for. And then the rest yeah. is just uh, I think there are lots of signals that yeah a, a company values engineering and and will not be kind of a, a slave driver or just a sure, kind of bad place sure. to work for. So this is a, a tricky balance because you don't, you probably don't want to work for a company where the engineers are on this pedestal and everyone else kind of resents them because they get treated special. Yeah. But you do want to work somewhere that understands that software is is different from an assembly line and you can't just like make people work longer hours or, or yell at them to work faster or things like that. So some idea of, of software processes, some some technical understanding they don't have to all be technical people but but just that the culture is is open to um technical people doing good work yeah so i I have a list as well my probably my top three when i talk on this topic i like to go super broad and then really narrow in specific afterward my broad top three big things are and they actually come from my current boss who's very wise and experienced his name is lauren larson and uh, he says three n- three things. Number one, you'll be able to learn, which I think is on your list too, Jameson. Number two, you're passionate about what the company does, their mission. And number three, you'll be able to be on the cutting edge, changing the world in some way. I don't want to just work for like a Me Too shop that just does, you know, what someone else has already done well, and we're just going to do it again and try to take a slice of that pie, you know. Um, so those, those are, I, I think, my top three. When my boss vocalized those for me, I was like, yes, that's what I've been thinking for the last 10 years, but I've never really said it out loud like that. Sure. Um, and then after I dig in on those three big things, those are usually pretty obvious, by the way. Um, the much, much more subtle and hard to figure out stuff is basically all comes down to one question, which is how much dysfunction will this company have? 
And every company has a certain amount of dysfunction in my experience. And it's just a matter of figuring out, is it a tolerable dysfunction? Will you be able to influence the dysfunction and make it better? Or is it just awful, right? Um, and I've got like hmm. a bazillion questions I ask to do that. But That's a really good point. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe suffer from grasses greener syndrome where they know very clearly what's wrong at the place they work. Yeah. And they imagine a place that doesn't have those problems and they forget that they're trading those problems for some other set of problems. So, yeah, can you talk a little bit about how you dig into the the kinds of dysfunction that's there? Yeah, so one of the best ways to identify dysfunction is to talk to people in different roles at the company and ask them the same question and see if their answers align. So I usually talk to three different types of people, call them personas. Uh, One is obviously you'll meet the other software engineers who will be your peers. You'll meet their leadership, like maybe technical leads or maybe their managers, maybe like director level people. And then you'll, if you're lucky, you'll get to meet company leadership, like executives, VPs, uh, depending on the size of the company, it could be like a lower level manager, like a department manager. And I like to ask them some of the same questions. And the top one I ask is, how do you know what to work on each day? If that's what I ask the engineers. And if, and I ask the management, how does your team know what to work on each day? And I love, I love hearing the disparity <laughs> between those things. You know, like if, if the manager at, describes a process or methodology that just totally does not agree with <laughs> what the engineers say, then you know you've got some pretty serious dysfunction. Oh, um, we follow the the seventh seal of the agile scrum ban uh, <laughs> minor chord methodology <laughs> to the letter. We're very good at this. And then the engineer's like, I don't know, I just kind of like Google search our internal <laughs> wiki or something. And I work on whatever the support team tells me is the most pressing fire at the moment. <laughs> uh, well, it depends on whether marketing or sales is tapping me on the shoulder that day. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's a good evidence of dysfunction. Now, if you get a pretty consistent answer here, and and that uh, if they bo- also identify where their processes are weak in the same ways, that's an excellent sign that your management and your engineers are all on the same page and they're working on fixing things and improving things. That's a huge point. Um, we've been doing a lot of interviews lately and, and some several times candidates will ask, what's the worst part about working here? Or what's, mm-hmm. what's something that you need to improve? And I feel like I try and answer that really honestly. Um, and, and I think that's a good way. I mean, if, if they say there's nothing, then you know they're lying. <laughs> and, or, and then, or just clueless. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe they just don't care. Uh, but that can be <laughs> a good window. Maybe they came from a really crappy job and they're like, this yeah. great. Well, I mean, I haven't been on fire yet, so <laughs> things are relatively okay. All right. And then, if, and so have you ever been at a, at a place like doing an interview and you ask, what's the worst part about working here? And they just give some like really awful, embarrassing answer? Uh... You know, I haven't, and that could be because maybe I've screened places that I interview at, or it could be mm-hmm. because I'm just easily deceived, and they're like, oh, this guy, he'll he'll just believe some fake answer I give him. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think just asking that question, you'll get some information. It might not be what they tell you. You might get other information than, than what they say, but you'll get some idea. When I was on the answering end of that question for several years at my last company, I noticed that the interviewers would start settling into a routine because we started to expect that question. And so we, you never want to share the stuff that makes you really uncomfortable because a lot of times it's personal. 
Um, so I've actually found that question to be not super effective really? in really disclosing, yeah, bad stuff. <laughs> um, because like, especially if it's a panel interview, if there's like three or four people and you ask them, what do you not like about it? Oh. Then they don't they don't really want to say, well, it's actually the guy sitting right next to me that I hate. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he's the bad part of this company. <laughs> we don't do panel interviews, so I, I can freely badmouth everybody. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, I, I can talk about some of the things that, so I, I love the place I work and I, I would recommend it to, I think they do a lot of things right. Um, we are a small team that's still growing and kind of figuring out how to deal with chaos well though. So I think most of the, mm-hmm. most of the weaknesses are, are around some lack of process or some kind of holes in our communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I feel like I answered that question pretty honestly. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. So um, another question I like to ask, not because there's a right answer, but because it always turns into some really interesting discussion, is do you write unit tests? And I asked this to the engineers. Um, oh, and oh, this is another great one to ask the uh, leadership. <laughs> like, oh, do, do your, your engineers, engineers write, write unit, unit tests? tests? <laughs> 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 anyway, um, and... Basically, I try not to make any conclusion on whether they say yes or no about the quality of the team, but it turns into good. It can turn into really good conversation. Like um, you can talk about their philosophy on unit testing. Like see how much they've thought about it. You can figure out how expert they are with their tools. You know, am I going to learn from this team, or am I going to be the one that's going to be like, well, do you even know what a unit test is? You know. Yeah, you can also maybe find out how um, I'd say dogmatic they are. Because exactly. unit tests can be one of those things exactly. where you you can just be frothing at the mouth in love with them. You can hate them, mm-hmm. uh, and and I personally I don't get along super well with with really dogmatic teams. I like I tend towards the more pragmatic end. Um, not that unit tests are bad, but just that yeah. If if the idea or if the attitudes towards technology choices are are like there's one right way to do it, and anyone that doesn't do this is wrong, yeah. then yeah. That, that might not work for me. When I'm talking to a team and they say, um, we've chosen to do X with unit tests and we have the following data points to back up this decision, I get really excited. Sure. Even if the answer is, we've chosen to not write unit tests at all yeah. and here are our reasons, that's great. Even though personally, I enjoy writing unit tests and I find them to be beneficial for me. Um, I would ha- be happy to work on a team that has strong evidence for why they do it the way they do it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess you're looking for for evidence that they've thought deeply about stuff. So um, I've got like a dozen other questions and I'll just, I'll probably leave a uh, note on our Twitter page about uh, this article that I wrote on the topic that's got like a whole bunch of questions. It's like a laundry list you can print out and bring with you to a job interview to look for a lot of this stuff. So it's a really long topic. I could literally talk about this for hours. And you will right now for the next few hours. (laughs) Just kidding. I, hope you I, have I think a long that's commute. the. <laughs> I think that's a signal that we're gonna leave some of that to to readers to pick up later and move on to the next question, right? I think so. Okay. Do you want to do you want to read this one, Dave? Yes. Uh, oh, so today is a day of short questions. So today's question, the second question, is also very short. Stated simply, I don't get enough done at work. Oh, and there's a follow-on. I work on. Yeah, a there's a little team. more description. Yeah, let me let me read that again. So, I don't get enough done at work. I work on a small team that has some aggressive plans for building a product. This product is very important to the company, but it is also large in scope. I feel like I am never getting enough done at work. How can I be more efficient and productive with my time? 
Well, have so, you considered typing faster? Like that's what I think. <laughs> off the bat, maybe take a class uh, on maybe typing. change or, or change editors every couple of days to find the editor <laughs> that makes you the most productive. Yeah, or a Dvorak keyboard layout. Yeah, I've I've heard Dvorak can help you a lot. I've heard that um, getting one of those keyboards that's like curved <laughs> and three hundred dollars. I think those are also important. <laughs> Oh, and if that oh doesn't boy. work, there are other keyboards you can try as well that might help you go faster. <laughs> uh, so before you, I know, Jameson, you have some great answers to this, but I got to say that when Jameson and I were talking about this question earlier this morning, I, uh, I said, I don't have a problem with this. <laughs> 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 and, and then I spent the morning thinking about my life. And realized, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm in so much denial. I have all these problems. Um, I was like, I don't have any experience with this. <laughs> so not true. That sounds like the kind of thing that mere humans struggle with. Once you've ascended to the Dave plane of existence, <laughs> you leave that, yeah. that petty stuff behind. One does not suffer <laughs> not getting enough done at work. <laughs> one always gets more done at work than one plans. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is a big one. I say that about every question. I'm going to stop saying that. That's forbidden. They're all big. Um, I think the fact that you're asking this reflects that you have a desire to improve, which is cool. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. For me, I think that there can be uh, maybe two main ways to divide up maybe performance or efficiency issues. And one is like a, a motivation problem and one is a more tactical problem. So I guess tactical or strategic maybe. All right. Uh, the strategic stuff is like, burnout or yeah. feeling overwhelmed or a lack of direction or things like that or, or boredom like i'm not challenged yeah yeah to me there's definitely a sweet spot of where something is challenging and will will make you grow and you'll have to stretch to get it done but it's not overwhelming like there's no way you could comprehend ever accomplishing this and and if you stray too far to the boring end or to the overwhelming end of that it can be hard to be productive Mm -hmm. um uh, so if if you're bored uh just throw in a new framework and spice it up a little bit no <laughs> if if you're bored you can you can do things to find more motivation um if you are overwhelmed then you probably need to talk to somebody about maybe getting some technical direction or finding ways to break the scope down a little bit or i i actually think in both those cases you could talk to someone um if you're bored your boss needs to be the person to know that. Like, hey, I'm not being challenged. Can you give me something harder, more challenging? <laughs> what if the boss is like, cool, do this in half the time then? And then you can... <laughs> <laughs> I got an idea. Do your same job in less time. Yeah, why don't you just work faster? That's challenging, right? <laughs> I would I would hopefully not respond that way. But <laughs> I, I do think, though, that you owe it to your leadership to let them know, like, you're not getting your full potential out of me. And I could do, I could be doing more if you gave me a more challenging assignment. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they'll know that doesn't just mean accelerate your current pace and now you're challenged. That's challenging, but not always in the best way. Yeah. Um, but the, the like burnout and overwhelming thing though, I, I definitely mm -hmm. feel like if you work for a good team that you'll have lots of people willing to help you with that. Definitely. Um, I guess you can, it can be worrying. You can feel like you're admitting weakness where yes, you're, yes. you're revealing that you're not as competent as people think you are or something. But I think that's, mm -hmm. uh, I think people respond pretty well to, to those like human moments when, when you're not, if you do it when, like the day before the deadline, like 
this actually turned out to be hard and I didn't do anything because yeah. I was stressed out. Then people probably won't respond very well. Yeah, you do need to nip this in the bud quickly. You certainly don't want to let it sit for too long. Yeah, but if if you know that you're going to struggle with this and, and just ask for help, I think people will respond pretty well to that. They can. They can also be a little dismissive because it's like, you know, it's like, we'll just do it, you know? Yeah. And I've seen that go down and then that can, can generate like a shame spiral. Mm. Where you're like, well, I tried talking to them and it didn't work and, you know? Yeah. So that can be hard. Um, I have seen that happen. But hmm. I think generally, though, you're right. People are supportive and want to be helpful. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the strategic level, like get your motivation worked out. And then the tactical mm-hmm. level is like, how much time are you spending in meetings? Are you being distracted by the environment? Do you work in an open office plan mm-hmm. and you just hear the conversation and like go over towards where it is all the time. Do you yak shave a lot? Do you like mm-hmm. tweak your linting rules and then go update the whole code base to match the new rules or something like that? <laughs> um, not that I would ever do that or ever have. <laughs> do you have aggressive calendar, Slack and email notification settings that are constantly popping up? Oh in your face yeah. And do you have to away? make that number go down? Yep. Yeah. Do you do you have personal interactions like do you have Facebook and other things you know open all the time that you're constantly checking on? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have muscle memory? I would say that takes you to social oh, media no. or your YouTube channel or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. And I would say put in place aggressive barriers to keep that stuff out of your face when you're supposed to be focused and productive. Some of this stuff makes me feel so bad that we're so <laughs> spoiled. Like I know. if you were working in a factory and you're like let me just take half an hour out to check my facebook nope fired right <laughs> yep. yep but but we're like it, oh i'm, we so I'm feeling a little down at work today i just need to recharge and then you like go play super smash brothers for four hours or something <laughs> i don't know yeah we are yes spoiled. we live in just the golden age of privilege it is incredible <laughs> yeah uh, but don't don't go play Super Smash Brothers for four hours because that probably is not a good use of your time. Unless you're the developer building Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, that's true. In which case, it'd probably be hard to be pretty productive. Actually, no, I want to... Hmm, hmm, hmm. I want to push back on the thing I just said because there's the whole idea of like the, the showery epiphany, right? Where doing something else besides just mm-hmm. sitting and staring at your computer can often help solve a tricky problem that you're stuck on. I have found that for me, playing video games just turns my brain off completely, including okay. the subconscious part okay. <laughs> that's supposed to be stimulated. Okay. I'm sure for some people that works fine. So it only <laughs> happens in the shower. Yeah, literally go take a shower. Okay. <laughs> Which is why you have a cubicle slash shower. So I have a funny story about this. Not Okay, not about showers. <laughs> <laughs> when I first got out of college, for the first seven or eight years actually out of college, I was working in programming jobs where I literally was required to track my time to the six-minute interval. Hmm. And we had to put in like oh, a timesheet. Tenths of an hour? Yes, one-tenth of an hour. Okay. That's why six. Every day we had to fill out the sheet to say what projects did you work on, how many hours did you work on it. And it was the kind of job where you, you had to hit this certain number. It was 40 hours of time every week. It's because we were contractors. And so we were all very cognizant of the time we were spending on things that were not like obviously billable work. And I, as a result of those seven or eight years in this practice, I got pretty good at not being distracted at work. Like I was pretty much focused because I, like I had this countdown going and I thought to myself, as soon as I hit 40, I can go home. <laughs> you know, like I'm out of here. Um, 
And uh, and so I left early on Fridays a lot and stuff like that. But anyway, I think that really helped, like being able to track that. And so I hated it. I absolutely hated tracking my time like that. But I think at the same time, it developed a sense of work when you're at work, play when you're not at work, in my own mind. If if you have never tracked where each minute goes in a workday, you should try it at least once because it is revelatory. Mm-hmm. It is. And I've got this tool called Rescue Time. Yeah, have you just, heard of this? I was just going to say Rescue Time. Are you Time. a user of Rescue Time? I have used it. And, and then I stopped because it made me feel bad. <laughs> Depressing. Yeah. Well, I've been using it for two, a couple of years now. And uh, what it does is it, it runs on your Mac and it tracks your windows, like what application is in the forefront and the window title. So if you're like on a web page, it knows what page you're on. Uh, if you're like using a terminal, it knows you're doing that. And you can categorize how your time is spent. And I was amazed at how many hours I spent every week on my laptop. You know, I mean, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And that it doesn't even count time spent on my phone, which I also spent a lot of time mm-hmm. doing. But the other really insightful thing is it told me like, all right, you spent like five hours watching Netflix this week. Like that's ridiculous to me. Like that for me, that was just like, oh my gosh, that's so much time. Yeah. But it also tells you like you spent this much time in, in Vim, and this much time on your web app that you're building. And that all counts as like development time. And that was really cool to keep track of. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Yep. Um, so, so that's kind of the broad level. What are you focusing on? What, what are you spending your time on? And then there might be one more level to that, which is uh, how, how important are the things you're focusing your time on? Because yeah. you can be in Vim yeah. all day and yep. get a lot of stuff done and have it not be useful at all for the product. Absolutely. Um, so how do you deal with that problem to make sure? So say you're working hard, you're, you're not really distracted, you're motivated. Uh, how do you make sure that you're you're working on the the things that will push the product forward the most, or whatever your your development goal is? I don't do that. I just do linter stuff. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> chief linting officer. My code base is literally nothing more than ESLintRC files. Just a and bunch examples of examples of violations. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this really gets at the crux of it, though. Your question. This is really hard to answer, and. Uh, for me and my teams, uh, an effective daily stand-up meeting is how I do that because I found that talking to the rest of the team and reminding each other about what we're supposed to be working on and what's most important, that is uh, how I do it. I've never been able to really do it on my own um, and keep track of it. And I've never been in a place where I've needed to, like in a freelance job or like, you know, self-employed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think that makes a lot of sense where... I guess it, it depends on your ability to to honestly say yeah. what kinds of things you've been spending your time on. Yeah. Um, maybe just the feeling though, like, what did I do yesterday? Oh, I did. And then you like shudder a little bit because you realize that you didn't get anything useful done. Maybe that's the thing you need to respond to rather than telling the team, team, I got nothing done. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either, but I, I know every tracker that I've used, like to-do trackers and rescue time and stuff like that, I've never really, um, I've never really had one that says, keep tra- help me keep track of my to-do list and also help me mark like the importance level of the things I need to do. Yeah. Which I think would be really cool. A thing that I started doing a few months ago was keeping a, like a developer diary where mm-hmm. it's 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 where I write down just those random technical things that you learn, like, oh, here's how you do this weird thing in SAS that I had to Google. 
but it's also it turned it's turned into a way to plan out my day or when I start up my work day I pull open the diary type in here's the stuff I want to get done and then I type in all my notes and stuff and then at the end of the day I look back at it and look at what I got done and sometimes there's a legitimate reason like oh there's a fire in prod or this new feature request came up but that's that's mm-hmm. really helpful um to for me to try and keep myself on track when I do that well one of the things that uh, some of my team members have done is they'll send me like a weekly email just as their manager. They'll say, hey, I want to send you a weekly email and just say some of my accomplishments. And um, that gives them a chance to reflect like you're saying um, and be accountable too because they'll say things like, next week I want to achieve X, you know, and they'll write that down out loud and uh, I'll read it and respond every week like, hey, great job. You know, I saw this and that and have you looked into this? Um, and I try to be engaged with them so that they feel like it's a dialogue and that they're actually being accountable instead of just like doing almost like rubber ducky status reports, you know, like you've heard of rubber ducky Mm -hmm. debugging. Um, I think that, I think that can be pretty helpful too. But again, it's deeply personal, right? Like different people will have very different styles that work for them. Yeah. But the, it seems like the broad messages are, um, take care of your, your motivation, make Mm -hmm. sure that you're not wasting time and then have some way of, checking up on your progress, I guess, on things that you want to accomplish. Is that a good way to summarize it, do you think? I think so. I think so. Cool. And then I wanted to go back just a little bit to the tactical thing um, mm-hmm. because I have had a, a friend of mine, you know, he was really struggling with this. This has been a couple of years. And he said, you know, what am I doing wrong? I just can't get anything done. I'm constantly working on like non-work stuff at work. And I said, well, tell me about your environment. And And sure enough, he had all these like alerts set up to be notified when things happen in his personal life, messages from friends, from family. And, uh, you know, even just like open source projects that he was participating in, uh, those notifications were coming in in real time. Um, and so basically he showed up at work and surrounded himself with non-work distractions and then spent the whole day being distracted and then at the end of the day feeling frustrated with himself. And so his solution, I think, was really tactical. It was, look, just shut all that stuff down and have a clear separation of personal and work, at least for a good chunk of the day, if not the whole day while you're at work and then set aside time to make, to make those things happen. So you don't, you know, cause that's important to a lot of people and they, they want to participate in that. Maybe it's a lunch hour, maybe it's evenings, maybe it's mornings. Um, but his, his solution I think was really tactical and I think we could all do with that. It's nice to just once in a while step back and say, all right, what's all the crap that's getting in my face every day? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cool. Well, we have answered the question. Oh uh, yeah. Now so you will thorough. get enough done at work. Yeah. Having just listened to this episode, you will be fine. <laughs> but do not listen to this episode at work instead of getting stuff done. <laughs> You've only fallen further behind. Oh, no. Great. Well, I think that about wraps up the episode. Where can people find out more about our show? They can follow the Twitter account at SoftSkillsENG. Um, that's where we'll post announcements about the show. We'll have links on there to all the different places where you can listen uh, mm-hmm. you've clearly found it already somehow, but <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. You have arrived. If you want to find it in a different way, then check out, check out there. And then if you have questions that you want us to answer on the show, you can, uh, you can send them to us there. We'll actually, we'll open up the DMs so anyone can DM us if you don't want it to be public. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we'll, we'll make sure to respect your privacy and not shout your name out loud to our literally millions of listeners, literally millions times 10 to the negative seventh power. Yes. 
We uh, now we should take the next thirty minutes uh, for our sponsors. Oh wait, <laughs> oh wait, we don't have any sponsors. Shout out to uh, my parents for sponsoring my life. Pa- for the Powder first McBiscuits. Few years, yeah, <laughs> great. I, I think that means we're done. <laughs> All right, we'll Thank catch you, you next week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See ya.